Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Tonight, we shift our attention to leveraging technology and smart solutions. I love this one. Leveraging technology and smart solutions. How can it help the individual to become a precious part of the corporate group? How can it help the individual achieve the ambitions of becoming the next CEO? Leveraging technology and smart solutions. How can it help the organization to have competitive advantage? And how can it ensure that the organization will be there for generations to come? My guest is somebody who eats, sleeps, and drinks technology. Kofidas is the CEO of Rankard Solutions, and he's joining us this evening to give us some education about technology and smart ideas. My brother, welcome to Springboard again. Thank you very much. Always, always good to see you. Good to see you too. Right. So let's start with, let's start where um, we ended off last week. Last week, we had Jim Bailey share some very interesting thoughts about his own experience at the Festival of Ideas. And... He, he he made it he made it sound like Charlie, if you're not at the festival, you are not part of the game. Let, let me see if I can bring you Jim's thoughts on the festival of ideas. He he just spoke to both the morning and the evening session, and these were the thoughts he shared for those coming for the morning, prospective CEOs who want that chance to be mentored by the top CEOs in this country. Let's have Jim Bailey. This festival has come to stay. It's become one of the things that those of us in the corporate world look forward to annually. Uh, I was privileged to be part of it last year, and uh, my discussion centered on mentoring. Mentoring meaning giving hope to the young ones and giving direction to them in order to step up to actualize their potentials going forward. My engagement was very useful, uh, very entertaining, very inspiring. I led the discussions and got them to speak up. So that's exactly what we did at the discussions. And since then, we formed um, uh, a WhatsApp group. And we communicate actively and engage in topical issues that are of interest to members of the group. Right. So those are the thoughts of Jim Baden speaking to the morning session that, apart from the presentations and everything, is climaxed with the with a 90-minute to two-hour interaction in which each of the CEOs who's facilitating has a group of 25 to 30 and spends time with them in the gardens. They're asking the hard questions, and they're having a very engaging discussion. I think that that was the climax of the morning session at the Festival of Ideas. Kofi, you will be, you will be facilitating one of those groups on the same subject. How relevant is the whole concept of a festival of ideas? You've been in it. You've spoken in Kumasi. We've been on this this this, this train together. How relevant is the festival of ideas? I think the the availability of a dedicated platform that allows emerging leaders to engage with experienced executives, where the essence is deliberately to expose, communicate, groom, give these emerging leaders an opportunity to understand what it takes, what it's about, and how to get there, is it's like the missing bit of higher education. You don't really get this anywhere. And sometimes, depending on what organization you're working in, you don't even get it in such an open format where your peers 
that's other emerging leaders are in the room with you. Mm-hmm. They're asking some of the questions you haven't thought of, some of the questions you may be sh- um, shy or not ready to ask in your own organization, but it's all out there. So it's like, it's like a rich, warm, open classroom where the content is relevant to how you develop the next stage of your career. And I really encourage anybody who's looking at taking those next big steps to find their way into the Festival of Ideas. You call it the missing link in, in tertiary of, of formal education. But the, the other point you make that I find very interesting is the fact that when you hear the questions other people are asking, you find that the problems you have are not local. They are also <laughs> represented in other companies. Jim, Jim spoke about something last week that caught my attention real big. He spoke about the fact that his group had actually formed a WhatsApp group and they were engaging. Our intention really is to have a three-year engagement because you are not grooming the person to be CEO that very day. Some will become in the next year, some will become in two years. So this is a three-year program. So this year is grooming the next CEO part two. Next year we'll do part three. We are hoping that three years of continually exposing them to the various issues, the various groupings, will really prepare people to be able to step into these roles and then be able to rise to the top. But let me come to the broad theme of the festival. So what is succession planning and what would be your prescription for any company that says we want to be there be beyond five years, beyond 10 years, beyond 20 years, beyond 30 years? What is succession planning and what will be in your own mind a few thoughts that any company intending to be around for a long time should engage? I think, first of all, we should put a long time in perspective. So my little understanding of the law suggests that companies are considered to be around, to, to exist in uh, perpetuity, which basically means that we normally don't set, preset a timeline for your average company we create. Now, if we're thinking about succession planning, maybe we can play a bit with the words there and say, let's consider it as planning for success. And the idea should be an incline where each successive generation of leadership takes the company further, farther and faster towards its vision. Right, And then each 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 succession of leadership helps to refine what the vision, how the vision should play out to its next level. You know, so if it's if it's ultimately about planning for success, if the success of an organization is 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 um, at the core of that process, then boards and CEOs need to take the process more seriously. It isn't something that can be skipped. It has to be formal written planned and ultimately it has to be transparent but there's one thing i also want to draw out succession planning shouldn't be thought of only as um certain um who comes to replace leaving and retiring executives or a ceo as it were it should also be about finding and placing and empowering new talent who can actually make an impact in the short term as well so let's think in the sports analogy if, um, Pastor Robert, if you're the chairman and owner of uh, this major Manchester football United. club, thank you. So we agreed there, right? So you are the owner of Manu. I am the coach, right. and you've empowered me to put together a team. And fortunately, I raise a 19-year-old super striker, but I also have a 26-year-old one. Now, should I keep the 19-year-old on the bench waiting for the 26-year-old to retire before I fill them? if I can get success out of him now? Should I slow down the process of developing in a deep bench that can perform and add to the success of the organization today? And I think succession 
planning is not only about the future. It's about demonstrating what the future will be through the talent we introduce and expose today. It's about empowering that talent we have today so that they have a taste and appetite for the future that they need to lead in the business. In fact, that present talent we empower to lead today while existing executives have not yet transitioned out essentially help define what the future will be and they are really part of the succession planning because they are feeding into what that future needs to look like and what it can be. 15 minutes past the hour of 7. If you just joined us, this is Springboard, your virtual university series, number two in our series on succession planning. Last week was Jim Baden talking about innovation and ideas. Today we are having technology and smart solutions as our subtopic as we explore the bigger issue of succession planning with Kofi Daza, the CEO of Rankard. A few thoughts that he has shared so far that I find very interesting. The first thing is that is the, the missing the festival is the missing link in formal or tertiary education. He also says that succession planning is planning for success where each generation of leadership takes the entity faster and stronger towards its goals and successive leadership teams refine the outlook, the vision, the direction to make it more, to make it sharper and more productive. He says it must be formal, it must be written, it must be planned, and it must be transparent. He also says it mustn't be about retiring, um, replacing retiring CEOs. It's about finding and positioning and empowering new talent. He used the analogy of a deep bench in football and says that it's about defining how the future will be by empowering successive generations of leaders. So it's all about having a pipeline of great talent emerging at all levels throughout the business. But the next question that that's naturally emanates out of this discussion is how, how do you find these emerging leaders? What do you look for in, 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 in finding those people that you are saying you want to put on the bench? What do you look for in emerging leaders, Kofi? Well, one of the things I've learned in my life of business leadership is that the next generation are mostly with you. You don't have to look that hard and so far and wide if you actually are deliberate about investing in building others. And it starts with your own example. So the first is, are you setting a clear example? Are you open as a leader and being transparent and allowing people to observe what the leadership process is all about. But um, here I'd like to do a small diversion and illustration. If we go to the scriptures, Daniel chapter 8, I'm going to um, paraphrase very quickly and then read a couple verses. So you have the, the Daniel seeing the vision where he has been taken to Shushan and he's across a river. And um, the vision he sees, he spells out, he talks about a ram with two horns, and he talks about a goat that comes and beats up the ram. So let's take it from verse 20, which reads, and this is the New King James Version, Daniel 8:20. The ram which you saw, having the two horns, they are the kings of Media and Persia. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn... And the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. Now, I want to emphasize that bit where it says, but not with its power. So you see a case of succession here 
where there's this great king of Greece. He comes and destroys the Medo-Persian Empire. That was basically Alexander the Great, initially king of Macedon, conquered Greece, took their armies, their navies, went and fought with um, Darius, king of Persia, Gargamela, decimated, destroyed them, took over what was then the Persian Empire. But about 10 years later, 323 BC, Alexander the Great dies, no succession. And so his kingdom breaks into four parts. And the key thing in the scripture here is, but not with its power. It's reduced. It's diluted. In fact, the historical record shows that when his generals were approaching him on his deathbed to ask him who should succeed you, looking for him to set the direction, be transparent, communicate, what's the succession plan, his response to them is, let the strongest lead. If you read the subsequent history, it was one of war upon war an, an, an army that was previously together as one decimating itself, breaking apart, destroying itself, splitting up. But the most important point, not with its power. If succession planning is about planning for success, again, then businesses, organizations, churches, government, political parties, those who want to succeed in leadership need to be very deliberate about planning for it. There is one point I also want to make, and I learned this from some anecdotal stories that came out at the point when Eric Schmidt of Google was taking a step back as CEO and Larry Page was going to take over. Some media people asked an external commentator who is, you know, sort of in the industry and knows what's going on and would have had an ear into what was happening. And he asked Steve Case, former CEO of AOL, you know a bit about this. What happened? Did Eric Schmidt jump or was he pushed? And Steve Case's response was both. And I think this is key. To imagine leaders, do a bit of pushing. Show the leaders ahead of you that you are ready to engage, take responsibility, show initiative, create some room for yourself, take some risk, understand what success is in the organization, align yourself to the goals and the vision and the underlying purpose, spend time investing yourself in understanding why this organization, why was it formed, where is it going, what's its vision, what is its mission, and show that you are able to carry it. So push your leaders a bit. It's actually your job to help feed into the process of succession. But I'll try and capture a few quick points then. So if you're in leadership and you're defining succession, what things should you be looking for? Um, Ultimately, so as I've talked through what the emerging leader should also be doing, you should be looking for somebody who's really aligned with the vision, the underlying purpose and the core values of the organization demonstrably. You should be looking for a team builder. And we're not just talking about somebody who can rally others and win support, but somebody who actually develops and promotes other people. You should look for somebody who demonstrates the ability to see the organization as a whole, to see the big picture, to understand the power of connection, how one function needs to be interwoven with another and yet many other functions, the interpolation of functions that brings out more value. So somebody who is not just additive, but somebody who understands multiplication, how you bring things together and have a greater impact than simply the sum of the parts. And somebody also who has the ability, who shows the ability to take real yet calculated risks towards achieving major organizational goals. You don't just want people who are about managing process in the status quo. You want people who know how to take risk. And finally, versatile and somebody who loves to learn. Look, this world is changing so quickly in whatever sphere you're in. 
that you can't afford leaders who are not willing to constantly learn and who are not versatile, willing to throw themselves at new things, try out new things, and put themselves in the position of the people they are leading. A good leader in a typical business organization should go and stand in sales when necessary, in marketing when necessary, in production when necessary, in administrative financial services when necessary. Wherever it is, they need to position themselves to encourage, inspire, lift up others, and drive the direction of the business. They must be versatile. These are the things that I would suggest we ultimately look for in who the emerging leaders are. 23 minutes past the hour of 7, and if you just joined us, that is the prescription. And I'm sure somebody's listening and saying, ah, number three is my weak link. In fact, the guy has disturbed me. <laughs> and I'll, I'll run them by you again, just so that you mark yourself 20, 20 marks for each of the five, so that you can, multi, you can add up and see whether you are at 100% or you are at 50 or you are at zero. But... The first prescription was vision alignment. He says the person must be aligned with the totality of the vision of the organization. The second one must, must be a team builder, somebody who develops and promotes people, not somebody who looks at himself or herself alone, but somebody who is excited about bringing the best out in other people. The third one is the, somebody who understands the power of connection, how different parts of the whole work together. So the interpolation of functions, that brings more value and not just somebody who drives a status quo. The fourth one is a risk taker, somebody who takes real but calculated risks to achieve corporate obje objectives. And the fifth one is versatility, somebody who's a learner and who can step into any role at any time and make a contribution in order to achieve the overall objective. Just try and mark yourself over 20 on each of each of these five and if you found the answer just post it on our facebook discussion this discussion is live on facebook and you can find it on on, on my page albert ne okran or find it on comfort's page comfort okran a and just join the discussion and just just share your own comments about the mark that you scored over 100 are you doing well or Charlie? there's trouble and you, you need to work harder listen if your score is not good the all hope is not lost. On the 17th of August, let's gather the Festival of Ideas and let's find out how we can enrich your ability or your potential or we can enrich your capacity to step into the role that is ahead of you by exposing you to different leaders and their thoughts and how you can, you can step into that position. Let me take um, remind you, Mr. Dazi, about something that Jim said last week, Jim Baden said last week, in his number one attribute was somebody who assertively contributes to discussion and not somebody who is timid. And I, I was waiting to see whether I would feature in yours. You, but all five you've given are very critical, but let me just test your opinion on this one that Jim felt so strongly about. Somebody who assertively contributes in meetings, and he categorically said that those who have who believe they have ideas but sit in meetings and don't make any contribution, literally are going nowhere with their careers. What do you think of that? I would align that with risk-taking. Right. So people who are willing to bring themselves out and share their ideas at the risk that their ideas could be rejected, not taken up, or could even sound foolish among their peers. Mm. Extend that to people who, are, after contributing ideas, will also seek the permission to execute them. Right. So I would align that with risk-taking. I think assertiveness is a fundamental quality anybody who is in leadership or aspires to leadership must develop. And we operate in an environment where some psychologists and human resource experts say Ghanaians by nature are passive or aggressive. 
and we don't really understand, even in the work environment, what it means to be assertive. And we confuse when we say somebody is being rude. Now, so that also means that organizational leaders must encourage an environment of contribution. So if you're actually not getting people who have great ideas in their minds to speak up, you're losing as an organization. So it's something that is badly needed. We need to encourage an environment of contribution. I think what happens on radio where people are invited to call in, contribute, texting is great. I think it's encouraging that culture of assertiveness. So we should give people permission to speak up. We should certainly give feedback so that people learn to refine their thoughts. But certainly a budding leader should be willing to take those calculated risks, make those contributions, make it work. Right. Let me shift to the main the main topic that you will be addressing in the morning session of the Festival of Ideas. So you will you will speak to the issue of technology and smart solutions and you will have a group of let's say thirty people who, who plan to be CEOs in the next 10 years, giving you their undivided attention in the gardens of the Labadi Beach Hotel as you coach them on how technology can be an enabler in their own careers and also in the future of their organizations. Let's, let's maybe look at how technology is changing the business environment. What are some of the not- noteworthy developments we should be looking out for? Well, um, I think, first of all, anybody who is in leadership in any organization must get in front of the drive with technology. It's not about being an IT person or engineer or even being a gadget lover. The truth is technology is a tool, a fundamental tool that must be applied towards achieving, accelerating, winning in your business goals. If you permit me, I'll go for another Alexander the Great story. His father, Philip of Macedon, had actually done most of the conquest of the Greek states ahead of Alexander succeeding him which is what enabled him then to conquer most of the rest of the known world. There was a technology that they had developed. It was a form of fighting in a phalanx. That is a group of soldiers tightly knit together fighting in formation in those days with a weapon, a tool that they called the sarissa. The sarissa was a specially defined spear that was about 12 feet long. Now, 12 feet is the length of two pretty tall men. Right? It's, it's, it's a pretty long right. thing. So it would be pretty unwieldy to be holding this sarissa and be, be able to wield it effectively against the enemy. What the sarissa allowed the Macedonians to do is that it meant five ranks of layered soldiers all had their spears sticking out at the enemy instead of only the front rank. Mm. So 20, um, say 100 Macedonian soldiers in five ranks could all have their spears sticking out at you in a small space. Whereas the enemy army, if they had 100, maybe only the front 20 would have their spears out. So their effect and their impact when they charged at you, right, basically led them to conquer Corinth, Sparta, Thebes, Athens, all the major Greek states, bring them under them, and thus gave them the army, the force that they needed to go and conquer the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, Philip of Macedon was not an engineer. In fact, in many of the historical portrayals, he was a drunk and a poor father and many other things. But he understood that technology is a tool that a leader unleashes to accomplish their goals. So leaders must get in front of technology, whether you talk about other generals like Napoleon, um, Julius Caesar, Cipri Africanus, both the ones we record as good and bad, they always applied from their strategy to some technology to get an end. So people who are looking to lead in business 
must embrace technology as a fundamental tool to every goal you set, interim objective to your long-term vision. You must actually have a parallel layer of what technologies are we not just going to find and apply because they may be out there. Are we going to define, design, if necessarily, even build internally? Today, leaders of organizations should begin to think of going beyond the traditional IT department as an extension of administration, managing your documentation and your basic security to having an in-house development um, software product, if necessary, even a hardware development team. They may not be able to do everything that you need in there, but they must be able to at least define, design, architect what fundamental technologies that your organization needs to accomplish its goals. So I think it's, it's really critical that leaders are looking at technology not as something that is built by other people that we all adopt at the same time. That's at best an almost run strategy. If you want to win, then you've got to define technology. For information, Steve Jobs did not have an engineering degree. He did not go to engineering school. In fact, he didn't get any degree at all. However, he made technology so native and innovation so fundamental to the way he led Steve Jobs wouldn't just adopt what everybody else was adopting and put out there. He would defy his own top engineers and tell them that what they felt was not possible, could not be built, had to be built. That's the sort of leadership around technology that makes a business transformational and ultimately leads them to win. It's 32 minutes past the hour of seven and definitely Springboard is transformational and determined to win. And in between the Macedonian Empire and the Greek and the Medo-Persian Empire. We are extracting the power of technology and the, the one doing the mix is a man who has a, a blend of engineering, history, scripture and social interests and my guest Kofi Daz, the CEO of Rankard. He will be facilitating a session on leveraging technology and smart solutions at the Festival of Ideas. And talking about smart solutions, I would like to find out from you, Kofi, what are some of the exciting things people are doing that we should be looking out for? I mean, I incredible and sometimes done by young companies, very, very young guys. Some, some companies, some entities locally, globally are coming up with very interesting solutions. And I like the way you, the fact that you have demystified technology so we don't just focus on hardware or people with technology or IT degrees, just smart solutions, making things cheaper, uh, more convenient, faster on the blocks, mm -hmm. and giving customers a better experience in the process. What are some of the interesting innovations we should be um, celebrating or looking out for around the place? So I think you've ultimately defined it, right? There's the buzzwords, and then there is what we are ultimately trying to achieve as organizations. So the buzzwords change from time to time. Back in the day, it would take about five years before there will be a new set of buzzwords of what the latest, newest technologies are. These days, within 18 months, everything has changed. So most recently, people talk about artificial intelligence, AI, virtual reality, VR, augmented reality, AR, Internet of Things, IoT, right? So the buzzwords, AI, VR, AR, IoT, and then often we'll add, you know, cryptocurrencies and all of that. These are all good. Prior to now, it was about big data and cloud. Prior to then, it was about mobile, social, local. See, now, these are buzzwords that are meaningful, however. They go back ultimately to what you were just talking through. What are businesses and organizations trying to achieve? What are consumers looking for? 
essentially, businesses need to operate more efficiently. They need to distribute better. They need to do so at scale to survive. You can no longer win by staying small because others can be both big and small. They can be where you are and everywhere, right? So businesses need to do this. But customer expectations these days are heightened. And it's all about experience. How do I discover the new things? How do I experience them? And can this product I'm using keep refreshing itself and stay relevant? And this is why you have um, your typical latest device comes. There's one, there's one C, there's one S, there's two, there's A, there's J. You know, companies are having to just learn to find all these little points and niches where different audiences want to be delighted. And that is what... Is it, is it driven by, by the profit motive or customer expectation? Ultimately, the two are deeply linked. If you can't consistently delight customers, you're not going to be able to drive those margins and make profit. But on the note of profit, sometimes that's even a futuristic thing. These days in technology, many companies, especially the, the, some of the newest, fast-paced ones, are not even profit-motivated yet. What are called the unicorns are companies that have valuations of over a billion dollars, companies like Uber, who do not yet make a profit, but are growing exponentially, recording significant impact around the world, despite some setbacks and shortbacks they, and, and, and shortfalls they may record, right, are able to use technology that's available in a way that disrupts existing industries. And ultimately, all these buzzwords we walk through, you will find them layered through what they're doing, but... The customer experience is what is in front. So they'll be able to very, very clearly define what should a customer of my product experience? How should they feel when they use it? What benefit must be communicated to them? What should the unique experience be? And then they'll employ everything both in the back office, which is business process automation, and in the front office in exciting service delivery or product innovation. Within there, if they need to deploy virtual reality, it will be there. If it's Internet of Things, if it's connectivity of different devices, sensors, it will be there. If it's about augmented reality, about the ability to interpose objects into images in a way that makes it meaningful to people who need to experience it, it will be there. If it's about deep data analysis and so artificial intelligence being deployed in that space, it will be there. Front office, back office, it will be there. But the primary thing is always about defining an experience for your customer in which they can have um, a unique outcome that binds them to your brand. That's always ultimately what's in front of why great companies are deploying technologies to meet their goals. And in your opinion, that is what will ensure that a company will keep renewing itself and will be there 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And by implication or by inference, any company that is not spending time uh, at the front office to give that experience to the customer and at the back office to spend time, money, and effort and personnel to do what is required in terms of technology deployment and smart solutions to give uh, expression to that customer experience, those companies will not endure and they will not last. They will fizzle out in the face of competition. Is that what you're saying? Those companies will face a lot of pain. Hopefully, by experience, they will adapt. But if they don't adapt, they will absolutely die and die quickly. 
death is a very morbid word. And so I will pause at this point. <laughs> With 38 minutes gone past the hour of seven, I will pause at this point and enlighten the experience for you a little at home. I'm sure that you are frantically scribbling just like I am in the studio here as we listen to Kupida as we share his thoughts. And we will take a break and bring you the song by Akashi Brimpong. The song is Crazy Love. And I would like you to enjoy it. And when I come back from this break, I'm going to give you even more information about the Festival of Ideas. What are we doing in the months of July and August? So on the 17th of August, is that big, the biggest and the most prestigious gathering of business leaders in the whole country. And over the past few years, what we have done is to break the event into two, just so that that hungry, determined, middle-level manager, determined to become CEO in the next five to ten years, can will not necessarily sit in the same session as the CEOs who are thinking about how to deal with the disruptions their businesses are facing and how they can um, they can secure their company's existence in the next 30 years and beyond. So what we have done is the morning session is is aimed at grooming the next CEOs. There will be a series of plenaries, brief plenaries, um, submissions by different speakers and then we will break into the interactive session for one and a half to two hours in the gardens of Labadi Beach Hotel, where you will have each CEO having a group, a cohort of about 30 emerging leaders, very interactive, full of questions, just by the beach side, and then they will retire for lunch, and that will be the end of the morning session. The evening session is where the CEOs, the board members, the senior management gather, and last year we were privileged to have literally everybody who matters in corporate Ghana gathering at one point as we broke down the various issues. This year, the focus under the broad theme of succession planning, the focus for the evening is building transgenerational entities. We've been accused um, as a nation of having great companies in the 70s that can no longer be found today and the names are mentioned very easily and very freely. The good news, Kofi, is that this year we are outdooring a documentary that showcases Ghanaian companies that are working eagerly at ensuring that they are there for 100 years and beyond with live evidence on location as well as listening to the CEOs, listening to the successes. It's going to be a beautiful thing. People will find a lot of encouragement from that. We'll, we'll, like, tran- we'll transpose two models, the model where you hand over to your child or, or your, your son or daughter and the model where you hand over to a trusted lieutenant and we'll, we will juxtapose them against each other and have a fun fantastic documentary outdoor on that day is the 17th of august it's a thursday 8 a.m in the morning for the morning session till 1 p.m and then 5 p.m in the evening till 9 p.m don't say i'm attending both please choose one and then attend um, and the number to call if you want to find out about the festival 024-999-555 or just send us an email info at legacy and legacy.com.gh enjoy the song Crazy love by Akasi Brimpong. Um, Kofi, who, who do you want to dedicate this to? I will uh, dedicate it to your, your wife if we're. Absolutely, that's where I was going. <laughs> uh, you're going there. Let's go together. De- sure. de- de- let me dedicate it to my boss. Tomorrow will be 20, 24 years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. years of marriage. Beautiful. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm it, looks like it's, it looks like it's barely 2.4 years. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. God has been good to us. And so we will enjoy this one together in the studios as we look at succession planning. That means that ensuring that it, it lasts from generation to generation. <laughs> Please don't go up.
and the song is Crazy Love by Akashi Brimpo. Let me dedicate this song to somebody very special, Mrs. Betty Donko. She's at a deacon at, the, at Harvest Chapel International and the chairperson, co-chairperson of Calvary at 40, Homecoming Planning Committee. Enjoy this song, Crazy Love by Akashi Brimpo. And congratulations to the entire team at Harvest Chapel International. Beautiful auditorium about to be dedicated this weekend. We give God praise for what he's doing. And so... Mrs. Betty Donko, enjoy this one. Crazy love. You are listening to Springboard Virtual University tonight. Enjoy this one. And the discussion tonight is about technology and smart solutions. And my guest, Kofi Daze, CEO of Rankard. Right. This is Springboard Virtual University brought to you by Legacy and Legacy Enjoy 99.7 FM and proudly sponsored by Echo Bank, the pan African Bank. Our discussion is revolving around smart solutions and I can tell you something on this phone that I have, I can definitely tell you that EcoBank is deploying loads of smart solutions and I have my simple software on my phone that helps me to do everything I want to do about my account without stress. And that is why you must you must bank with EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank. And Kofidas has been telling us a few things about technology and let me just share two of them with you. Very, very, very interesting thoughts about technology. He says it's a fundamental tool that must be deployed in leading, winning, and driving as a business. And he says leaders must get on top or in front of technology and move beyond using generic technologies to defining, designing, and building. And so in that regard, companies must look at having their own software and hardware teams that are designing bespoke solutions that will help them have an advantage. He also says that it's not always about profit and that profit is not the first consideration in a number of companies. He mentioned Uber that are having exponential growth through the use of technology that disrupts the status quo and radically changes the customer experience. And so your first consideration must not always be profit. It must be delighting the customer and ultimately that will drive the numbers that we are all obsessed about when we think about business. Let me come back to Kofi in the studio and find out the benefit to individuals and then the benefit to companies and see if we can, he says we should encourage assertiveness and encourage uh, contribution. So we'll see if we can open the phone lines for you to ask about smart solutions. If we can, if we, if we don't, it's not because we don't encourage assertiveness and contribution. It's because the discussion is so intense right here in the studio. But let me find out, what is the benefit to individuals who are always deploying smarter way to do things, Mr. Darcy? I think for... Um, individuals often we're looking for convenience right we're looking for efficiency for individuals usually that means um, getting maximum value at minimum cost so we're not giving up what we want but we're spending less um, time money effort to get there so that goes back to convenience then as individuals we're also looking to be happy and so if I can get something if I can go to a place or I can get some entertainment content that I enjoy and I can get it in a way that is readily available to me all the time at a cost I can afford. These are the things individuals are ultimately looking for. If I can get the food I want delivered to me in a short amount of time, just how I want it, rather than go through the effort of cooking it, if you're like me, you probably don't know how. Um, so it's, it's, there's always this underlying convenience, efficiency, convenience, efficiency. That I still want what I want. I don't want to reduce it. I don't want to dilute it. But I want it to be available to me how I want it, when I want it, where I want it, and it should be affordable as well. This is 
what every good business on the flip side understands what consumers are looking for. Right. And so ultimately, we deploy technologies to do food ordering. We deploy technologies to do banking, like you pointed out, to right. just basically to make our lives easier. Right. So if I understand you right, the, the, the driving force for the consumer, the customer, is to get more convenience, more happiness, more cost savings and overall more efficiency in the consumption of your products and your services right. and that must be at the back of the minds of companies as they design these solutions let's go now into the company mm -hmm. if the thing is such a big issue for consumers it means it, it will put pressure on the companies to deliver on it i i, I, I presume mm -hmm. right so what shall be done for the man who will kill goliath that's the question david asked what benefit comes to individuals in the company, in the company. that bring down Goliath? What benefit comes to the individuals? Yes. I mean, in, in, yes. the, in the instance of David, first Samuel yes. 17, they say, listen, you will get a free wife. <laughs> you will get tax-free status. <laughs> in the corporate world, yeah. people who deploy smart solutions, do they benefit? Do they get promotions? Is, is it... Is it a doorway to somebody achieving their goal of becoming the next CEO? Is there evidence to support that? So there are two aspects of it. Right. One is so as an organization, you do want to reward people taking and making experiments. You want to reward that. You want to encourage it. So you create room for failure. But most importantly, you create an environment in which there is learning from failure. Now, for people who believe they are innovative and creative in organizations, they have to add another ingredient. You have to learn how to package mm. not only what you are. So it's not just about making a better mousetrap. It's about learning how to communicate it and about knowing how to enter the business development process of creating the customer experience out of it. It's one thing to create a great product. You think it's great. It's another thing to find a way to get it into the hands of people who can validate that. So once you are able to bring out your creativity and you are able to engage in the process that enhances its delivery in market, remember, greatness of a product is no longer a manufacturing paradigm. Mm. It is a customer experience paradigm. So it's about crafting an experience, how your customer discovers the product, how it's delivered, the experience they have. It's about crafting that together. That is what innovative, creative people need to get more involved in if they want to find a way from creativity to the top. Right. So what you're saying is that it's not even about we in the company scene or somebody in the company scene have put out something that is absolutely fantastic. Even the communication of that new that new innovation, mm -hmm. that new way of doing things, yeah. is a responsibility that must be taken seriously. The packaging. I, 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 was, I had the privilege of being with a couple of people who were discussing what they believe to be a superior way of delivering a particular service in the course of this week. And I sat in the meeting and they were discussing how they intended to present it to, to management. And I said to them point blank, this will be shut down within seconds because the solution was great, but the people going to present it had no clue about the power of presentation as a key to enhancing the outlook. And so I said, listen, dismantle whatever you're doing, hold it. Yeah. How about presenting it this way? Mm -hmm. And Initially, it sounded like, wow, wow, that, that's just like hype. Mm. But at the end of the day, they found out that being able to package your thoughts around three key milestones and leaving something, presence of mind, mm. in, in, in a top of mind awareness to the person listening to the presentation and showing them clearly the benefits that are true right. and the minimization of risk will ensure acceptance of that new solution. So eventually, I mean, now they came around to understanding it. Kofi, it is so crucial what you mentioned that... The definition of 
of convenience. The definition of efficiency is no longer within the ambit of the manufacturer or the company. It is a customer that says, yes, this worked or this didn't work, which means that we really can start and get stuck halfway in that value chain. Mm, very much so. Right. Let me end with a question about companies. So in the face of all this, companies that are, you, you've kind of alluded to it already, but I would like to rehash that point. Companies that are deploying smarter, faster, cheaper, more convenient. I was talking to somebody who said, listen, our CEO is driving technology day in, day out. And good evening to Dan Saki, CEO of EcoBank. Somebody says, our CEO is, is driving technology day and night. And, and I said, but that, but that is good. That means that we, the customers, get to get things easier. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question. What benefit that, um, comes to companies that literally are obsessed with using technology to make things easier, faster, cheaper, more convenient for the client? And by, by implication, what happens when we miss that boat? So on the positive side, such a company will typically stay ahead. Um, it means that they will be in, ex- in, in a mode of constant experimentation and constant learning. And often they are taking the customer along. Let's face it, the technology companies we admire today have embraced the principle of a product being in alpha and in beta and putting it out for you to use it. They've created whole platforms about how you can switch on new capabilities, new benefits, that with a warning that says this thing is beta, which means, look, it may not really work well, but if you like it, try it. Why? Because if they take too long going through the full product cycle, before they actually bring these new benefits to market, their competition may defeat them, may be ahead of them. So the speed of bringing the latest innovations to market has been a winning method for the Googles of this world, for the Facebooks of this world, for the Microsofts of this world. It's a fundamental principle that companies must learn to adopt. It's not about going the long haul to perfect a new product or service. It's about how quickly you bring it to market. It's about letting your customers actually become part of the process of testing and refining how effectively this works. If you try to bring a product at a point in which you determine it's perfect, your customers may still vote negatively. If you bring it out earlier and let them give you feedback, you refine it with them. They buy and you want them and you win with them. That is the way to go these days. If you choose to go the other way, it means you're going to go the long haul to assumed perfection. It's high risk. You come out late, you come out wrong, you lose. Come out late. You come out late, you come out wrong, and you lose. All right. So let me tell you what I'm going to do. I mean, I'll tell you, um, Kofi, my my favorite point you made today. And if I give you 100 guesses, you won't guess it. So don't even try. My favorite point from everything you said today, the whole hour, is when you said that the person who asks questions, when I raise the point about what Jim said last week, the person who asks questions can be slotted into under risk taker. That means that they are taking the risk of their thoughts being rejected. And so let me give hope to those who bring great ideas and have the ideas shut down. It's, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have failed. It just means that you are making a contribution. And one day, one idea that you bring that is taken can literally change the future of the whole organization. So I, I want to just encourage people who say, every day I bring ideas and nobody takes them. Be encouraged. The one that they will take will be the turning point for That's the right. whole organization. I'm going to come back to you to close in a minute with your invitation to first the emerging CEOs for the morning session 
and then your colleague CEOs for the evening session. Last year, something very interesting happened. There was a very interesting interaction between um, Eben Asante, the CEO of MTN, and then Edward Ifa, then at that, at that time CEO of, of uh, Fidelity Bank. And so we're having a, a little interaction about, about data and how it can drive decisions and the real-time information. And then Eben turned to Edward and said, every morning on my phone, I receive information about every mobile money transaction in the country. I know which bank it is going to. I know where this is going. And I literally have in my palm information that could change your business. It was so funny and it was so real. But that is what the Festival of Ideas does. Let me go to the dashboard and bring you the thoughts of Jim Baden speaking this time, not to the emerging leaders in the morning, but to the CEOs for the evening session. Matthew, give that to me. The upcoming Festival of Ideas is a must not miss. Make sure that you plan to be there. Make sure that you reserve the dates. Make sure that you register in good time. It is a festival of ideas that would give you a lot of new ideas to take back to your companies. I want to rechristen it a harvesting of ideas. Because last year, I harvested a lot of new ideas that I didn't know previously. Because people come and they contribute the ideas, and therefore I see it as a harvesting of ideas. And I recommend it to everybody. Catch me there. Let me see you. Well, so you know who will be there, at least one more person who will be there on the 17th of August at the Labadi Beach Hotel. And the number to find out from 024-999-555. Let me come back into the studio one minute. Mr. Kofidazi, why should people be at the Festival of Ideas? I know you will be there, but why should they be there? Well, I'm feeling already very excited about what this festival will be. Um, People should be there. Because this is a curious transition point globally. There's so much changing in, 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 in the social sphere, in politics, in technology, in nations. You know, everything seems to be on edge. Now, if you bring that home, we sort of feel that same potential to be something greater than we are. I think the Festival of Idea is one of those few places where ideas that are transformational are seeded, both individually in people, but also coming from the pulpit with the sort of people who speak with the interactions that will be had. I think there's something special about 2017. I think the Festival of Ideas this year is going to be unique in helping people find their inner selves, their calling, their gifts, and finding the energy to unleash these. And those are the thoughts of Kofi Daze bringing to a close what has been a very interesting discussion about technology and smart solutions. Pick up the whole discussion on Facebook and share your thoughts with us. The, the address to go to Albert N.E. Okran on Facebook or Comfort Okran A on Facebook. On behalf of my boss, Comfort o- Matthew and Amos, my name is Albert Okran. God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N. E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 You may also subscribe to 
www.albertokran.com, amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. The light has come.